You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into the Late Night Gamecock Show. My name is Matt Anderson, and I am your host for all things Gamecock After Dark. Um, really excited, guys. We, we made it. Um, it is the Thursday night before the Gamecocks kick off their regular season against North Carolina in Charlotte. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, that game is Saturday night, 7.30 p.m., but it looks like kickoff will be closer to 7.30, 7.45-ish. So if you're you're grilling out, you're drinking a couple beers, you're having a good time, you're spending time with family, maybe getting the kids ready for the game, whatnot, you have a little bit extra time, a little extra 10, 15 minutes from um, the scheduled start start of the game. So 7.30 is when I think they'll start airing coverage and the game will kick off around 7.44, 7.45. So obviously super, super pumped for the game. Um, it's going to be a big opportunity for the Gamecocks and, and we'll definitely talk a lot about the game and a couple other things on this episode. But first, I want to announce some exciting news. Um, the Late Night Gamecock Show will be um, hitting the YouTube streets starting uh, Monday, September 10th, I believe. Yeah, Monday, September 10th, if my, if my date's right. Um, really excited. We're going to go live on Monday nights. So we'll start each show at 9 p.m., go to about 9.30, 9.45, 10 p.m. Um, truly be Gamecocks after dark. So excited for that. And, and in the future, we'll probably have another show. Um, throughout the week. We're not really sure on that date yet. So far, we've been talking about Thursday nights, but just some scheduling notes there for you that the Gamecock, late night Gamecock show will be live on Mondays on YouTube. Um, don't worry if you're not someone that can get to YouTube. We'll still be posting all episodes like we have been so far through these first 22, 23 episodes or so. So you'll be able to find this podcast. You'll be able to find the show in podcast form um, anywhere you, you, you download um, your podcast, whether it be um, iTunes, whether it be Apple Music, um, Spotify, whatever. Um, you'll be able to find this exactly where you're finding it right now. And then you'll also be able to go back and watch um, the videos of the show anytime you want and catch up there on YouTube. So excited for that. And the last place you'll be able to find the show is um, on the Chief Sports Network. I'm really excited about Chief Sports Network. That's been um, JB's kind of brainchild for a long time now. And Really seeing it come to fruition with um, multiple multiple shows on that network airing throughout the the week and throughout the day. So excited for that. So just want to touch on some some programming notes at the beginning uh, before we get into my South Carolina North Carolina game notes and prediction. Um, it's prediction time <laughs> this year. I mean, I'm not going to say that. Um, I have the best predictions in the world. I, I put a lot of thought into my predictions. Um, so. I'm not calling them bold predictions. I'm just just calling them Matt's predictions. Um, and I, I think when you say bold predictions, it's it's kind of fluffy. It's kind of like trying to draw clicks, trying to draw eyeballs. And I'm just trying to be real with you guys. So I really don't think that these are that bold. I just think they're likely to happen. And um, I, I really think that all of these could happen. So without further ado, let's get into my 10 predictions for this upcoming season. So we're just going to call these Matt's predictions. So I'm excited for that. And hey, really quick, before I start with these predictions, don't forget, you can always reach me on thebigspur.com under the username Matt Anderson 
or you can email the show at late night gamecock show at gmail.com. I have been getting a lot more emails lately, so appreciate that. And especially as the season kicks off, I want to hear from you guys. But let's get into my um, my predictions. My first prediction. In first possessions of games this year, South Carolina will score a touchdown or field goal on over 55% of their first possessions against Power 5 schools this season. So, a little wordy, but essentially over the past two seasons, on opening drives of a game, South Carolina has scored a field goal or touchdown on 45% of those drives against Power 5 schools. And if you... If you throw out that first, if you want to call it a drive against Kentucky last year where um, Gamecocks forced a fumble, recovered the ball in the Kentucky two-yard line, and and right after that, Mar- Marshawn Lloyd you know, scampered in for a two-yard touchdown. I really don't count that as a drive. So if you if you take that Kentucky drive out, the first possession, it, it drops down to 40%. This season, South Carolina will play a minimum of 10 and likely 11 games against Power 5 competition. And I heard a long time ago that most teams should score at least a field goal on the majority of the first possessions of their games. And, th- and that makes perfect sense to me. The first possession of the game should be scripted. Um, it should target a defense's weaknesses. Too many times over the past two seasons, South Carolina has started flat on offense. And that has to change this year. I remember even going back to the 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 um, upset of Alabama when they were number one in the country, and I think Alabama started the game with a field goal, and I was really excited for that. But I also told folks around me, you know, my friends and folks I was sitting with, that you know, yeah, it sucks Alabama scored. I mean, we're glad it wasn't a touchdown. However, you know, they should score a a, a touchdown or field goal in the first possession of a game. Really, you should be. You should be a, a pretty close to scoring a touchdown or field goal in your first two possessions of the game before the defense has the opportunity to make adjustments. And I always watch for that in games, and I always try to figure out, um, or I, I watch for who scores first, and does the offense look in sync? What adjustments are the defense going to have to make? What plays just worked? And so this year, based on everything I've heard about Dowell Loggins and how this offense is performing to begin the season, I would be shocked if the Gamecocks didn't score quite a few times on the first possession of games this season, be it field goal or um, touchdown. So I'm saying it's going to happen in, you know, five, five and a half, six, six of the games this year, more like six games this year that they're going to score on their opening possession. And I think that really does set the tone and, and, and really puts you in a position where you're not, you're not battling back constantly. And it seems like, in a lot of games, the Gamecocks have just gotten down quick early in games, and you know sometimes found a way to win, sometimes they didn't. So, on to prediction number two: Spencer Rattler breaks the single-season passing yards record at South Carolina this season. So, if you're not aware of this, um, Dylan Thompson owns that record with 3,564 passing yards in the 2014 season. So that's a lot of passing yards. Um, I remember that year it seemed like Spurrier just threw the ball all over the yard, had a lot of fun with Dylan Thompson. Dylan Thompson kind of had that gunslinger mentality. So last year, Spencer Rattler um, had 3,026 passing yards, which was actually good for sixth all-time in a single season in the South Carolina record books. 
to break the record, Spencer will need to average a shade over 274 passing yards per game. So let's just call it 275 passing yards. Last season, Spencer averaged 232.7 passing yards per game. And in my opinion, if Spencer can cut down on his interception numbers, make better decisions in a new offense, you know, more comfortable in this offense, has more weapons in this offense, he would need to average 42 more passing yards per game. And I really just don't think that that's out of reach this year. So Spencer Rattler probably, and, and some of you old timers, you know, and I say old timers, you know, I was born in 88. So some of those, some of you that really remember Todd Ellis, Steve Tannehill, um, Anthony Wright, um, you know, the list goes on and on of, of quarterbacks that have been really, really good for South Carolina. But, um, and, and, and remember back then there, there wasn't 12 games in a regular season. There wasn't, you know, the opportunity for a 13th bowl game. You know, in some cases you could play 14, 15 games in a season now if you're, if you're that good. So, um, while the old records are, are definitely records for their day, I think that I think Spencer Rattler has a great chance to break the record this year. Just cut down on some turnovers, keep some drives moving, and you know, especially with the running back room right now, I think that you'll see. And I've talked about this before: some manufactured kind of what what Patrick Mahomes does in the NFL, some pop passes that you know essentially are seem like a handoff, but it, it counts for for passing yards. So. Um, I don't know how much I'm going out on a limb I am on that one with Spencer breaking the single-season passing yards record, but I feel pretty good about that happening this year. So my next prediction kind of goes hand-in-hand. I also think that Spencer Rattler breaks the single-season passing touchdown record. So Steve Tannehill currently owns that record with 29 passing touchdowns in 1995. And guys, you know, Steve Tannehill, obviously a legend in Gamecock lore. Um, you know, I always remember seeing pictures of him signing the field. I mean, while I was alive then, I, I don't really remember it that well as a, as a seven-year-old. But Steve Tannehill owns the record with 29 passing touchdowns. Um, last year, Spencer Rattler threw for 18 passing touchdowns, which was actually, you know, for better or worse, um, yeah, a top 10 all-time passing touchdown single season record at South Carolina. You know, I think it was like eighth all time, ninth on that list. So to break the record, Spencer would need to average 2.3 passing touchdowns per game. This bold prediction goes hand in hand with my previous bolder, boldish prediction. Um, if Spencer throws for the most passing yards in a single season, logic would dictate that the passing touchdown record would also be in jeopardy for Steve Tannehill. When you look back at Dylan Thompson in his record-breaking passing yards year, he averaged one passing touchdown for every 137 passing yards thrown. To, to, bake, to break both records in the same season, um, Spencer would need to average a passing touchdown for every 118 passing yards, which I think is really doable with his receiving options this year. So to recap the three predictions so far, Gamecocks are going to score – on their first possession of a game against Power 5 schools, um, 55-60% of the time, more often than not. And then Spencer Rattler is going to break the single-season passing yards record and the single-season passing touchdown record at South Carolina. This one's a, a little juicier. Um, really excited about this one. I think it, it's very likely. I think this year the Gamecocks have at least two 
first, second, or third team All-Americans, you know, just running that gambit, whether they're first team, second team, or third team All-American. Right now, South Carolina realistically, I think, has six options for All-Americans this year. Uh, and those players would be Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, Nick Imanwari, DQ Smith, Kai Kroger, and Mitch Jeter. Um, with Marcellus Dial having an outside chance to make it as well if he has the type of season I think he can have. The bottom line here is that the Gamecocks have more true difference makers on offense and defense than they've had in quite a while. And if the Gamecocks can get to 9-plus wins, um, maybe 10 wins, 11 wins, I think it's within reach, um, and put up stats like I think they're going to put up stats, they're going to have um, players that rank tops in the conference. And when you're tops in the conference in the SEC, you're, you're definitely somebody that has an ability to be an All-American and, and really, the All-American teams seem to be littered with um, with players that come from schools that, that win a lot of games. And I think South Carolina is in position to do that this year. So the fifth prediction I have is South Carolina will force two times more turnovers than they give up this year. So over the last few seasons, South Carolina has been pretty pretty magnificent at forcing turnovers. Um, whether that be a blocked punt, a blocked field goal, interceptions, um, fumbles recovered. They've been pretty good at that. But this year, I believe South Carolina will force two times as many turnovers as they commit because the offense has been working extremely hard on protecting the football. And Dowell Loggins brings an NFL mentality to protecting the football. In the NFL, the fastest way to get in a coach's doghouse is to commit boneheaded turnovers. And South Carolina's had their fair share of boneheaded turnovers over the past few years. But I think that gets corrected this season. And South Carolina will continue to do what they've done on special teams and defense. I think that the offense will be crisper. I think the offense will be um, more finely tuned to the t- to be able to, to hold on to the ball. And this one might be one of my riskier predictions um just going off past years past data but i and and look you know when the live bullets start flying and and they're not used to the to the guys on the other side of the field you know maybe some boneheaded things happen but um i i don't remember d um to carry on joiner putting the ball on the ground very often i don't think mario anderson will i I think spencer is going to be really meticulous in the way that he he approaches the game this year, and I really do think that the Gamecocks, who always focus on winning the turnover battle each game, are going to double up this year. And then that's going to lead to victories. My sixth prediction here is that South Carolina tight ends combine for at least 10 touchdowns. So, both tight ends have been featured in red zone work this year in the in the, in the summer and fall camp, you know, the individual stuff the players do on their own. Um, and Joshua, Joshua Simon in particular could remind some folks of Jared Cook uh, with his speed and ability to catch the ball and turn up field for big plays and, and, and just getting deep. Um, he, he's, a, he's a really fast guy for his size. And um, I wouldn't count out either Trey Knox or Joshua Simon or even Connor, Connor Cox, or not Connor Cox, um, Reed McKeesis from getting a rushing touchdown or two either. Um, I know that, I know that Jonathan, I mean, Joshua Simon, pardon, pardon me, Joshua Simon has, has taken end rounds in practice. 
And I think that I think they're going to get 10 touchdowns. And if they can get 10 touchdowns this year, that that's going to be really good for the Gamecock offense. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than 10 touchdowns combined, whether it be um, through the air or on the ground this year for those tight ends. My seventh prediction is Pup Howard will be a defensive starter by the Florida game. South Carolina plays Florida on October 14th at home. It'll be the sixth game of the season, and it'll come after a bye week. Um, Grayson Pup Howard is a kid that, you know, he was he was at Carolina for the bowl practices. He's been in the strength and, strength and conditioning program now for, you know, almost a year. Um, participated in everything in the summer. Um, he was a little banged up throughout the fall, but I, I think that he has enough he has enough pure talent. He has the, the, the smarts to play the position, and he has the athleticism that right now I don't know that the Gamecocks have uh, along the, the linebacker core. Um, he, 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 he'd be an inside linebacker. He'd be someone that can you know go sideline side to sideline. I wouldn't even be surprised to see him put his hand in the dirt or play kind of a hybrid position from the linebacker spot to get after the pass get after the pass um the quarterbacks. Um so Pup Howard just he's a different kid. I think that if he can if he can start making plays um before the Florida game, become a starter around the Florida game, that's a you know, you you've left a lot of games in the season, at least seven in the regular season in the bowl game for him to to potentially be a freshman all American. Um, the inside the program, the Gamecock coaches feel like Pup Howard is a future All-American, future captain of this team, um, leads by example. I can't say enough good things about Pup Howard, um, the mayor of Columbia, as they call him. Just a charismatic kid who really helped with recruiting last year, too. So it's always great when those guys who are your most charismatic are also your best players and, and can lead by example. My eighth prediction for this upcoming season is that the Gamecocks will go undefeated at home this season. So, obviously, you have games against Furman, Mississippi State, Florida, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Clemson at home this year. Seven home games, and I believe... um, I mean, I, I, quote me on this if you want, but I think either the last four or five games of the season are all at home. So there's an opportunity for South Carolina to build a good bit of momentum going into this home stretch of the season. So, pardon me, I'm battling a little bit of cold, so I'm going to blow my nose for a second. <sighs> Apologize for that. But Furman, Vanderbilt, and Jacksonville State should just be considered guaranteed wins at home. Uh, both Mississippi State and Florida are going through some transition. Um, with Mississippi State moving away from their air raid offense and becoming more balanced and a more defensive-minded team, and then Florida is breaking in a new starting quarterback um, who does have Power Five starting experience, but um, they they struggled with the quarterback position last year, despite Anthony Richardson being a, a top four pick in the NFL draft. So I think those two games should be wins for South Carolina. And it'll be great to get revenge on Florida from the butt whooping the Gators gave South Carolina last year in the swamp. Um, and, you know, football started, started back tonight, so I've kind of had the TV on onto the side. And, you know, Florida does not look 
that great right now at Utah. And, and Utah is a, a great team. I think that they're definitely a top 25 team. I think that Florida is definitely not a top 25 team. So early indications here for the Gators <clears throat> might, might spell um, a tough road for them this year. And having to come to South Carolina after the Gamecocks have a bye week, I, I just feel like that's probably going to be a win. I feel the same way about Mississippi State. Mississippi State does have a great quarterback. I think he's like in his sixth year in college. He's probably, if he hasn't already set all the SEC quarterback records, he'll probably set them this year. But um, we'll be interested to see how Mississippi State adapts. And I think just from a pure talent, pure talent standpoint, South Carolina has more talent than Mississippi State right now. The next, the next team on the slate here is Kentucky. And Kentucky, Kentucky has definitely had South Carolina's number over the better part of the last decade. But I think that that monkey is off the Gamecocks' back now after winning last year in Lexington, kind of winning the way they did. I don't think Will Levis would have made a difference last year if he had been the starter for Kentucky. I know they were starting to back up, but um, Gamecocks you know, thoroughly dominated that game in, in Lexington last year. And I see the Gamecocks winning the game against Kentucky at home this year, and I see them um, potentially starting to streak against Kentucky because – South Carolina is always going to have more talent than Kentucky. Kentucky always brings that blue-collar kind of style of football to play, and and I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep up on the scoreboard with South Carolina going forward. All right, and then the last team that the Gamecocks will play at home this year, um, then there's Clemson. Um, First and foremost, South Carolina just beat Clemson last year at Clemson. And I personally don't think Clemson's going to be that much better on offense this year than they were last year. Obviously, DJ Ungawalali, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, struggled for a number of games. But their new quarterback also really struggled against Tennessee in the bowl game. And, and yeah, he was young. He was a true freshman playing against a talented Tennessee defensive front. Um, I think this year Tennessee has the most seniors in the country and their starting lineup on, on defense. So, um, obviously, Tennessee was a talented team. South Carolina will always remember um, that night in October or November when South Carolina put, a, put an absolute whooping on Tennessee and Williams-Brice. But I, I'm just not sure that Clemson has the offense they used to have. I don't know what's going to happen with Lincoln Riley at offensive coordinator. Um, that is a transition. You know, they have a lot of, a lot of four-star wide receivers as recruits, but they haven't played that way, and and we'll see what happens. I, I don't think Clemson's that deep at wide receiver this year. I, I I don't think that South Carolina is scared of Clemson at all. Um, they're they're ready. They're chomping at the bit. Um, it's the first time since you know the Spurrier years where I think that South Carolina honestly expects to beat Clemson every time they play them. And I, I can't say that that was the that was the truth over you know the last seven, eight, nine years. Um, and I, I do, I do want to say that I spoke with a non-biased um, source. Um, doesn't pull for South Carolina, doesn't pull for Clemson, but but it's very connected in this state and um, around college football. Who recently said that he was gonna, he he felt pretty confident in the Gamecocks getting to eight to ten wins this season, and he would be surprised if Clemson was able to get to ten wins this year. Um, Clemson's won ten games for you know a pretty long time now. Um, consecutively, and he just said that even with the bowl game, he's not sure that um, Clemson will get to 10 wins this year. 
if that happens, if, if Clemson is an eight-win, nine-win team coming to Columbia, um, I, I mean, that would mean that they're likely not in the ACC championship race. They're likely not, definitely wouldn't be in the college football playoff race. Um, maybe not even in line for, you know, one of those New Year's Day bowls that, you know, they always play in, it seems like. So I, I just wonder, you know, how, how up they will be for that game. Do, do the, does this generation of Clemson players feel the same way about South Carolina that, you know, Clemson players did after South Carolina reeled off four or five. I can't remember. I think it was four or five wins in a row against against Clemson. So I think I see the tide turning here a little bit in the Gamecocks' favor. Um, I as of right now, I mean, if I was able to to place a place a wager on um, on the South Carolina Clemson game right now, I, I would imagine South Carolina would be an underdog just based on public perception. But I would I would be placing a, a maybe a hundred dollar bet on South Carolina to um, win that game outright. So I say the Gamecocks win every home game this season. So um, going hand in hand with that prediction prediction number nine, um, South Carolina wins nine plus games this season. If South Carolina wins all of their home games, that's seven that's seven right there. Um, they only got to find two more victories to get to nine. And I'm saying nine plus wins. Um, season starts with North Carolina at a neutral site. Um, obviously, that's the big game of the weekend for us Gamecock fans. And the Gamecocks are a two and a half point underdog. So public perception is there on North Carolina. Um, but I, I don't, we'll talk more about the North Carolina game later. But um, South Carolina is not going to be a double digit underdog to many teams they face on the road this year. Probably going to be in that three to four point range, or, or just outright favored. So season starts out with North Carolina. Um, Gamecocks go to Missouri. Missouri doesn't scare me that much. Maybe they should, but they don't. I, I think South Carolina has more talent than Missouri, and I think Missouri has kind of overperformed relative to their their talent level recently. And they and they have they haven't been a team that is winning eight, eight, nine games a year. They've pretty much been a 500, uh, 500 team in, in SEC play, and I think the Gamecocks can get over the get over the hump there um, against Missouri. Texas A&M on the road, um, always tough to play at Texas A&M. The Gamecocks have only beat Texas A&M one time since, they joined, since um, Texas A&M joined the conference. Um, I think Texas A&M is a dark horse for the SEC West. Um, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent, but – um, they lost their locker room last year. I don't know if they can keep their locker room together um, this year. Um, we'll see what happens. If they're winning, the locker room is going to be, you know, happy. If they're losing, I can see some dissension there. <sighs> Pardon me, I had to blow my, blow my nose again. And then the other thing with Texas A&M is, you know, how is this Jimbo Fisher-Bobby Petrino marriage going to play out? Is Jimbo really going to take his hands off of the offense is Bobby Petrino still an offensive mastermind? Um, we just don't know. So the next game on the schedule that's a road game is um, the Tennessee game, and we all know what Tennessee experienced in Williams-Brice last year, and, and they're going to be highly motivated to get revenge. But how, how good is their new quarterback? The reason, that, the reason that Tennessee was so successful last year was Herndon Hooker was extremely accurate. Not just on the deep ball, which he was extremely accurate there, 
but on the short and intermediate passes. And the way that Tennessee plays football, they play really, really fast. So they play fast. Um, they play physical. And they're going to have to have accuracy at the quarterback position. And I know that Milton has, you know, just a rocket launcher for an arm. But we'll have to see how, how accurate he is. And right now, I'm in, I got to see it to believe it. Um, Tennessee is not an easy place to play. They're going to have 100,000 fans there. It'll probably be a night game. So we'll see what happens in Tennessee. Uh, the last home game, or the last road game I'm going to talk about is actually um, the first true road game for the Gamecocks, and that's Georgia. Georgia's going to be the number one team in the country when South Carolina goes to Athens. It's going to be an extremely tough road game and likely one that, that South Carolina will be double-digit underdogs in. But we've seen crazy things happen in Athens before. Um, when the Gamecocks play between the hedges, Georgia has a new quarterback as well. Um, defense is always going to be salty as long as Kirby Smart's there and recruiting at the level that, that he's recruiting at right now. And, um, you know, on offense, we'll see what Mike Bobo can do. Uh, Mike Bobo had a lot of success at Georgia under um, Mark Ritt. Um, we'll see what happens, but I, I don't I, I don't feel comfortable saying I think the Gamecocks are going to win at Georgia. But, you know, to get to nine-plus wins this season, they're going to win all, I think they're going to win all the home games. Um, I think that they're going to beat Missouri, and I think they win one out of three against Texas A&M, Tennessee, and North Carolina, maybe two out of three. And um, so, yeah, that's how I think they get to nine wins this season. And, you know, prediction number 10 here, um, the Gamecocks are going to beat North Carolina Saturday night and start the season 1-0. So there's there's one of your road wins right there. I think they're going to beat Missouri, so that's nine. And, you know, let's see if they can win one out of three against Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Georgia to get to 10 wins. Get to 10 wins, that's a lot of momentum for Shane Beamer to sell um, on the recruiting trail. And the Gamecocks are just a rocket ship at that point. <laughs> So, I'm going to say a couple notes here about why I think South Carolina's going to beat North Carolina, and um, we'll we'll get to it. I've talked to a bunch of people about this game from different sides of the aisle, different sources, and shockingly, even though the Gamecocks are a two and a half point underdog, eighty um, percent of folks I talk to that are in the know think the Gamecocks are going to win this game outright, and and I agree with them. I think the Gamecocks will win this game outright. I think that this is simply a wrong team favored situation. Um, if I was setting this line, I think I would have the Gamecocks at, you know, minus three, minus minus three and a half. If I was setting it from an odds perspective, but I'll go ahead and tell you, I, I told you guys that I do gamble from time to time on college sports and the NFL, and I've already placed a um, one hundred dollar wager on South Carolina to win this game outright, hundred dollars to win one hundred and fifteen dollars. So I put my money where my mouth is. I'm talking about the injury report for South Carolina um, going into this game. Everyone is good except for linebacker Bam Martin-Scott, um, defensive end Jacius Gear, and tight end Connor Cox. But all three of those guys are expected to be good to go next week against Furman. Uh, Gear is, is a loss. Um, he was expected to either be a starter or a backup. Um, he was going to be in the rotation at defensive end, no doubt. Um, he's a guy that... You know, has experience playing against North Carolina from his time at Syracuse. He um, is a guy that can get after the pass rusher. He's long. He's athletic. Um, and the Gamecocks will miss him on Saturday. Um, I don't think it's enough to move the needle. I think the Gamecocks have enough talent across that defensive line to 
to overcome that in week one. But really, really looking forward to get, getting gear back in the fold and getting him ready for Furman and then obviously Georgia after that. Uh, college game day, um, for those of you who don't know, um, the Gamecocks in North Carolina were selected for college game day on Saturday. Um, I believe that show starts at 9 or 10 a.m. If you're going to Charlotte and you want to go, I recommend getting there pretty early if you want to be on TV. But if you don't want to be on TV, <clears throat> they do a really good job of speakers all over the place, big screens all over the place. So you'll be able to watch the show, hear the show um, throughout. Or if you just want to you know, take it easy in the morning and and watch the show, Darius Rucker is going to be the guest picker for the Gamecocks on College Game Day. Um, representing South Carolina, obviously, in the Gamecocks. And I don't think he could have picked a better guest picker for the Gamecocks. Darius is beloved by all Gamecocks, and he'll do a great job promoting Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks on the broadcast. Um, before we get into more of the game stuff, I did want to let you know that South Carolina and North Carolina, I don't know if this is combined list or um, it's just South Carolina guest. Um, in recent rule changes, teams are allowed to have um, have recruits be official guests for them, not official visitors, but um, guests of um, of the teams that are participating in in these um, neutral site games. And there are a handful of um, recruits that are going to be at the game Saturday night. Um, four-star quarterback Ryan Montgomery, and these are all 2025 recruits I'm going to talk about. Ryan Montgomery is a guy that has South Carolina as his leader. South Carolina has talked about him being the the quarterback of the class. Um, really a South Carolina and Florida battle right now with the Gamecocks having the edge. Good to have him there, and he'll be at a, a number of Gamecock games this year, I would imagine. Um, the rest of the guys, I'm just going to hit them pretty quickly. Um, four-star tight end Ethan Barber, really good prospect, a really good tight end. Excited to have him here, um, have him in Charlotte. Four-star tight end Ryan Gee, um, unranked wide receiver Jarrell Boulder, um, unranked wide receiver slash tight end Stephen Collier, um, unranked wide receiver, younger brother of Lenore Sellers, Jaden Sellers. He'll be there, and Jaden Sellers had a great year for um, South Lawrence last year with his brother at quarterback. Four-star offensive tackle Juan Gaston. Um, Five-star offensive tackle David Sanders. Really great to get him back around the coaches and at the game. Four-star offensive tackle Josh Petty. Four-star inside offensive lineman Jalen Gilchrist. Four-star inside offensive lineman Chauncey Gooden. Uh, Four-star defensive lineman Amari Adams, another kid from South Lawrence that will be there. Four-star defensive lineman Isaiah Campbell. Um, Unranked linebacker Tayshawn Alston. Four-star cornerback Shamari Earls. Unranked Defensive back, A.J. Brand, who actually plays quarterback for his high school team, but he'd be a defensive back in college. And four-star um, defensive back, Jordan Young. So, got a five-star in the mix, a lot of four-stars, a lot of guys that are unranked right now that I think will be ranked um, as the 2025 recruiting class gets um, scouted a little bit more. Um, obviously, we have some 2026 guys that have no ranking yet. That would be offensive lineman Desmond Green and wide receiver Brody Keefe, they're going to be at the game. And, and two guys that are ranked right now um, from the 2026 class is four-star defensive back Javion Currents, been around the Gamecock program a lot lately, and four-star cornerback Samurai Matthews. So 
I'm battling this um this cold. I guess this little tropical storm really did a number on me with the changing in temperature and humidity and air pressure and all that. But um, Gamecocks will also have a number of committed players that will be in attendance at the game against North Carolina. Uh, four-star wide receiver Mazio Bennett, three-star um, safety David Busey, three-star offensive lineman Blake Franks, four-star linebacker Wendell Gregory, four-star safety Kelvin Hunter, four-star offensive tackle Cam Pringle, four-star tight end Michael Smith, and four- and four-star um, offensive tackle Josiah Thompson. So really good to have um, these commitments that are locked in with the Gamecocks in attendance. They're going to be talking to a lot of these um, younger kids and, and you know selling the Gamecocks, and that's always exciting. Um, just a great list of kids that will be in Charlotte this weekend. It's a real opportunity for South Carolina to make some headway against a border rival and still have the opportunity to get a lot of these kids back on campus for games this year and really set the pace for official visits next summer and lay solid groundwork for future recruiting classes. So getting back to the game itself, um, I think that this game will be very similar to the bowl game against Notre Dame last year in the Gator Bowl. I think South Carolina is going to score early and often in the first half. And if the defense comes to play like I think they can, I think the Gamecocks could get out to a big lead here. I'm not that impressed with North Carolina's defense. Um, they return a lot of starters, but they also, I think they gave up 27 points per game to ACC opponents last year. Um, really just not a good number. And I think they gave up more than that to some some non-ACC opponents as well. But regardless, I, I cannot discount Drake May and the North Carolina offense. Um, North Carolina's going to be breaking in some new wide receivers. I know that there's some questions if their impact transfer I think his name is Tez something will be able to um, play this week as of as of this recording um, I have not heard anything to indicate that his appeal has been heard by the NCAA that any decision has been made and, and as of right now I do not expect him to play and we'll just have to see what these North Carolina wide receivers can do because um, they're relatively unknown I think that a big thing the Gamecocks will have to do is make sure that they can keep Drake May inside the pocket. Um, he likes to get outside of the pocket. He likes to he likes to move. He likes to throw on the run. He likes to have the option of, of running running the ball itself. I mean, he was the leading rusher last year for North Carolina. Um, he was really accurate when he gets outside the pocket and when plays kind of break down. I remember watching May last year in their season opener, which was a shootout, and thought, man, this kid's pretty good. Uh, he had ridiculous numbers at, for North Carolina last year, and he has a lot of people excited. I mean, Caleb Williams is probably going to be the first quarterback selected in the NFL draft, maybe the number one overall pick. I've seen a lot of mock drafts that I think are ridiculously early at this point in time that that have Drake May potentially as a top five pick. So um, we'll see what happens. A lot of people are excited about him. His numbers weren't quite as great against better competition he faced last year. They weren't awful, but they weren't eye-popping either. I also can't say that I love North Carolina's pass catchers. Like we talked about earlier, I think the tight ends are just okay. Don't know what's going to happen with their wide receivers. And I think that North Carolina needs to prove it early in this game because it's a relatively unknown group. Apologize for that. Um, My big square dog, Max, heard the food bowl getting poured, so he's running down for dinner right now. Um... 
I guess some storylines from last season that kind of carry over into this year's opening weekend. Um, I think the biggest storyline is Spencer Rattler versus Drake May. I think that Spencer has a lot to prove. He has a lot of eyes on him in this game. It's probably the premier premier game of the weekend across college football. Um, I think that he has to show that he can make better decisions, and he's done that so far in, in fall camp. So big quarterback matchup. Um, South Carolina, we talked about it earlier, but they gotta they got to hold on to the ball. They can't put that ball on the ground. Last year they turned it over 27 times. Um, they can't do that. they got to reduce those turnovers, and I don't, I don't think North Carolina is a team that I'm worried about forcing turnovers necessarily, but they just can't make the boneheaded mistakes that they've made in the past. Um, really quick, you know, another thing to talk about with North Carolina, despite a 9-5 and record last year, um, they did finish with four consecutive losses. So they started 9-1, and and then they lost to Georgia Tech, NC State, Clemson, and Oregon. Um, you know, I guess – can't say much about losing to Clemson or Oregon last year, but Georgia Tech and NC State are probably teams that, that they should have beat just based on overall talent level comparatively to, to Tech and, and State. So they got to improve their defense. I don't think they've done enough to improve their defense. I mean, these guys are the same guys. We talked about that earlier. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that in the, I think the way that North Carolina wins this game, if they could, if they can, is Drake May has to be the tide that lifts all boats. Um, I, but if Spencer's as good as he's being advertised so far in fall camp and everything that I've heard, I just don't know if it'll be good enough. Um, I mean, South Carolina's offensive line um, will have to will have to play well. I mean, it's not like North Carolina's defensive line is anything to write home about. I know that South Carolina's offensive line has a chip on their shoulder and they're ready to play more instinctively and faster than they did last year. I wouldn't be surprised if um, there are some penalties that come into play in this game with the South Carolina offensive line. But overall, I have, I have enough faith in the offensive line doing enough for South Carolina to move the ball consistently. And if South Carolina can't move the ball consistently in this game, that's definite warning flags that, that need to be waved. And I will... 100% backtrack on all of my predictions that I listed out earlier when it comes to the offense and win total because there's no reason South Carolina shouldn't be able to move the ball in this game. Um, I think I think South Carolina has the, the two best defensive players in the game overall um, with DQ Smith and Nick Imuwara. I think Marcellus Dial is right up there. Um, I think the Gamecocks force at least one, if not multiple, turnovers in this game. And like I said earlier, I, I, I think that this is just a case of wrong team being favored. I think the betting public remembers the worst parts of South Carolina's season last year. And North Carolina, for one reason or another, is still a name-brand school. Uh, but South Carolina's done quite well against North Carolina recently, and I think that this has the makings of Gamecocks win um, when, like they have lately, um, maybe differently. Um, I know in the bowl game, South Carolina put up a lot of points. I anticipate that happening just in a different way this year. Um, you know, when I look at this game, I think that it could break out, you know, one of two ways for the Gamecocks. The first way is just a straight-up butt whooping. And I don't say this to be a homer, but I could easily see a scenario where the Gamecocks bottle up Drake May, force multiple turnovers, and, and win by, you know, 17 points or more. Um, I can also see a game like Notre Dame last year where the Gamecocks never quite put the Tar Heels away, and it's a fourth-quarter game, and the Gamecocks win by three or four points. Either way... I think the Gamecocks score at least 34 points um, this Saturday, 
And I think that they're going to have to force – I think North Carolina is going to be forced to keep up with the Gamecocks. And North Carolina might be able to do it in the first game of the season with so many unknowns, you know, scouting reports and all that. But their defense has been so poor against Power 5 teams lately that I just – I don't think the Gamecocks walk out of Charlotte with, you know, like say 24 points. I just think the Gamecocks' offense will be too good at the start of the season, and they're very prepared for this game. I don't know what North Carolina's offense is going to look like. If they abandon the air raid offense that they run lately, how efficient will they be to try and change things up? I mean, I think that they need to be as air raid as possible against the Gamecocks. I don't think, you know, controlling the clock is going to work. I know even with the running clock this year, I don't foresee a situation where, you know, North Carolina is able to hold the ball for 35, 35 minutes in the game, let's say, and maybe 40 minutes in the game if they're really trying to do ball control and, and keep up with South Carolina. I think South Carolina is going to score too efficiently. Um, so here's my prediction. I like I like the Gamecocks to win this game by a score of 37 to 24. Um, that's my number. I think the Gamecocks kick a couple field goals, you know, punch in, you know, let's say four touchdowns and three field goals. I think they're going to be highly effective. So 30, 37 to 27 is my prediction. I think it could be a game that's close in the first half, but I think second half adjustments are the deciding factor. So that's my prediction. Um, go Cox. I can't wait for Saturday night. Um, getting a little bit on time here. It's uh, 45 minutes so far. So I, I wanted to do some some um, predictions on other games around the country. Um, I guess I'll do that really quickly. Um, if you're a betting man, I think that Tennessee will cover 28 against Virginia. Um, the game is in Nayland Stadium. Virginia has just been pretty putrid on offense, and they're going to be way overmatched. So um, that's one pick. I'll say Tennessee uh, minus 28. I like TCU to cover the 20 and, a, 20 and a half points against Colorado. I just don't think that Colorado has the talent to go up against um, the uh, TCU Horn Frogs who just played for the national title. So that's my second prediction. I'll try and find three more. I'm kind of doing this on the fly. Um Ohio State's had Indiana's number lately. Um, it's a big number at Ohio State minus 30, but I would I would probably take Ohio State minus 30, so that'll be my third pick. Ohio State minus 30 against Indiana. Um, I would take Boise State um, plus 14 at Washington. I think that Boise State is a pretty good team. I think Washington probably wins the game by 7 to 10 points, so take Boise State there. And then my last one, let's see. Going through here, going through here. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Penn State um, versus West Virginia. Penn State is favored by 20 and a half points. I would take Penn State to cover. I really think that, you know, with this running clock, I think that the teams that are better on offense are going to put up points. I think that, um, you know, the teams that aren't able to aren't able to score efficiently are going to get bogged down. And, you know, a lot of these numbers, I just think that the teams that I, that I have favored, and I picked all favorites, it looks like, except for except for one. Yeah, so I took um, Boise State plus the 14 against Washington. But, yeah, I, I predict, you know, those five games, I think that you can feel pretty confident, you know, with the Gamecocks um, taking that money line. I don't see any real value in the plus two and a half. So I take the Gamecocks money line for that, that Gamecock pick. So we'll see how I did um, – See how I did betting. I'm not going to say I'm going to take all these games. This were just off the cuff. Um, but, yeah, I have I have placed bets on the Ohio State game, I've, on the Penn State game, 
Um, I took I took TCU Tennessee. I, I've actually already placed bets on four of these five games. I'll probably go in and put the put the plus fourteen on Boise State here later tonight or tomorrow to see if the line moves a little bit. I'd love to get Boise State plus fourteen and a half just to, just to cover 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 the spread there a little bit. But that's going to do it tonight for the late night Gamecock show. I appreciate everybody for joining me. Um, I appreciate you giving me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. As always, you can reach me on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson, or you can find me um, via email at latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com. And don't forget that starting not not Labor Day, but the, the following Monday, we will be going live on YouTube and talking about probably a little bit about the North Carolina game still, probably talk about things that kind of fell out from the Furman game, and just you know leading into that Georgia game, you know what our thoughts are, and we'll talk about things from around the country as well. It'll be a lot of fun, and looking forward for you guys joining me, pepper me with comments in the YouTube chat. I'm really excited to to really get a better chance to to interact with all of you. But that's that's it for this episode. This is Matt signing out, and I hope that you all have a great weekend and go Cox.